You're listening to the Cross Border Interviews with Chris Brown. Welcome to Municipal Month on the Cross Border Interviews with Chris Brown. I am your host, Chris Brown, and I am pleased and honored to have our guest on to the show today. Just before we get started, I have a big, kind of a big announcement. This is our 450th episode of the Cross Border Interviews with Chris Brown, and I couldn't have asked for a better guest to come on and talk about himself, but also his community, and that is Iqaluit Mayor Kenny Bell. Mayor Bell, thank you so much for doing this. Welcome to the show, and I'm looking forward to our conversation. Yeah, absolutely, Chris. Thank you so much for the invite, and uh, you know, congratulations on 450th <laughs> show. I didn't, I, you know, I'm surprised there too. So that's awesome. Well, Mayor Bell, I'm going to ask the exact same question I've asked every single politician who's come on this show. You're no exception. Where did your sense of duty to serve come from? Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I was born and raised in, in, in the Arctic and um, uh, everything, everything I have, everything that my life has, um, has given me my three boys, my, you know, even my ex-wife, um, you know, uh, my whole life uh, has come from the Arctic. And, um, you know, I just wanted to make sure that uh, I gave back as much as I possibly can. And I did, I, you know, I ran originally in 2012, 2015 as a counselor uh, and hated it. Um, hated every moment of it actually it was not a good experience uh, you know I didn't like the the construct of council I didn't like um, you know I didn't like I, I didn't like any of it not one part of it was uh, interesting and I, I walked away in 2015 after my my council term was done uh, and then you know over the next four years the next council and, and the next mayor um, you know uh, incited me into uh, running for mayor because I was I was I was really even more disappointed um, about what was going on and um, you know I, I just you know, maybe I was wrong uh, may, maybe I was wrong about some of the stuff um, but at the same time uh, I just thought we could do a better job and you know I, I'm trying to prove that every single day so uh, I'm just a hard worker um, you know I didn't go to university I, I went to some technical schools and um, you know I'm just uh, I'm just putting in hours to try to make sure our community is a better place to live uh, for, for for me and my kids and, and our fellow citizens. And before we get into your community and how you're making it better and also the coming year, because you have an election in 2023, um, I want to continue on you. Who is Kenny Bell? Who is this person behind the mayor's chair? And I want to go back to what you said about giving back. And you chose to give back municipally, politically. You could have done that volunteer-wise. Was there a moment that there was a switch of the uh, uh, flip of the switch in your head that said, you know what, I can give back the best way municipally on the Iqaluit City Council. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I, in, I'll tell you exactly what happened in, in 2012, 2011, uh, the city announced that they were uh, building a $40 million aquatic center. Um, uh, you know, our town is 8,000 people uh, currently. Uh, and we have a $40 million aquatic center. Um, it is built. I was the only councillor that voted no on every single vote uh, on that. I was the only councillor that ran uh, saying I was going to vote no on every single vote. Um, you know, and I got third in, third in votes uh, to become a city councillor. 
um, that was that was a that was really the what happened. And you know, my only reason I did that was because you know, uh, as a citizen, I'm I'm walking around, driving around, you know, partaking in you know, um, hockey and other uh, municipal functions, and everything was dying. Everything. Our roads are in disarray. The city buildings are in disarray. The city vehicles are in disarray. Um, you know, and I, I was sitting there like, how? You know, yes, of course we need a we needed a, a pool. But forty million dollars? Um, this doesn't make any sense. And you know, so uh, that was my that was the defining moment. Um, you know, I realized uh, shortly after that I was uh, heavily outnumbered. And 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 tell you frankly, I mean, I don't know. Um, I probably asked more questions about the aquatic center in in one meeting on the aquatic center than anyone did in every other meeting going forward for the next two years. Um, it was basically a, a direct vote. Yes, I wanted a $40 million pool. And then the very next conversation would be for like a $3,400 um, photocopier. And we'd argue for 45 minutes on where we're going to find the money. Municipal politics at its <laughs> best. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, 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 you know, I mean, obviously, you know, the aquatic center, don't get me wrong, is a beautiful facility. I knew I would use it. I knew my kids would use it. Um, but it wasn't about that. It was back that you know it's uh, it's a four million dollar a year um, expenditure. It's uh, you know that's a lot of money for our small city, and uh, you know it, and of course it's um, you know uh, you look at the you look at the stats, the census. Uh, it, it, at that time, twenty sixteen, um, there was Nunavut as a whole was fifty six percent food insecure. Today, Nunavut seventy percent food insecure. Those, the mass majority of those 70% of our citizens uh, across the territory are only worried about feeding themselves. They're not going to the aquatic center, you know? And, uh, and all of those other functions that, you know, help we could have, we could have fixed with $40 million, uh, you know, are, are still in disarray. We will, I, the great thing about these conversations is you find out the struggles that communities have and that, that, uh, statistic that you just dropped is kind of a bombshell and we're going to talk about it a little bit later if you don't mind but politics is a uh, unique beast in itself especially at the municipal level the decisions that you make on a day-to-day -day basis affects the people that you go to school with you go to work with you uh, your neighbors your kids play sports with the weight of municipal politics is a lot heavier, I find, than provincial and federal. Walking in as a councillor for your city or as mayor in 2019 when you were elected, did you feel that weight of burden of making sure the money you spent, the votes you did, were for the best of the entire community? Absolutely. You know, um, I, I, of course, I'm, I'm a, a privileged white man, middle-aged white man at that. Um, and, uh, you know, of course, we represent mostly Inuit. Um, you know, th these are my friends and neighbors that I've grown up with all my life. And, I, you know, I, I very often say I'm not here to speak on behalf of Inuit. I'm here to speak as a lifelong friend and neighbor. Um, and, of course, I mean, this is, uh, this is the greatest privilege of my life uh, behind my, my three boys. Um, you know, the, I, this is my fourth greatest privilege in my entire life, and it will be forever, um, that I get to, I get this opportunity to, to represent Inuit um, as, as the capital city of our territory. Um, it, but it is, it is a, it is a huge weight. 
Um, it's a lot of stress, um, you know, and, and I'm, I'm the type of guy, I, I really just don't care what people say about me. I don't care. I just, I've never cared. Um, I'm, I'm, I don't know what it is. I just, I, you know, if I'm not going to go for a beer with you, I don't care what you're going to say about me. Um, but I do care immensely about my community um, and the people in the community. And I want to make sure that, you know, we, we want to not just, you know, hanging on, which we, we have been for, for decades. Uh, but that we're thriving and we're moving forward in, in leaps and bounds where we should be because, um, you know, Nunavut is a territory of Canada. Um, it's, not a, it's not a province, it's a territory. They should be taking care of us um, until they give us our own wings and let us fly by ourselves. But uh, until then, um, you know, we shouldn't be uh, begging for money. We shouldn't be begging for infrastructure. Um, these are the types of things that they should be providing us to get us set on a solid footing. Uh, and move forward. And, um, you know, we're just, I mean, of course, we have, don't get me wrong, I have a really good uh, relationship with the Liberal government currently. Um, you know, I know you're from Alberta, so I'm, I'm assuming it's a conservative, but... Um, me? Is, uh, in my, my writing is a liberal writing. I have the one liberal in Calgary who is one, elected. One yeah. <laughs> yeah, so... Yeah, well, you know, and, and it doesn't, to me, it doesn't matter. You know, at local, like you said, at local politics, um, you know, you're you're one. We don't have parties here in, in Nunavut. The only only person that's in the party here in Nunavut is our um, NDP MP. Uh, everyone else is is standalone. The, the uh, territorial government is consensus government. Um, so you know, none of us really go with the party, and I don't think you you can at a municipal level. Um, it's it's uh, you know, there's just so much going on that you you need to be uh, very flexible in in your you know your political biases. Does, does that help your community? Does that help your community when you have an independent slate, uh, both provincially and municipally? Because in Alberta or Saskatchewan or any other province besides uh, the, the Northwest Territories, Yukon does have a provincial party system, but uh, the Nunavut and the Northwest Territories are both consensus governments territorial-wise. Does that help your community in some sense? Because you're not going to a conservative MP. You're not going to a conservative MLA. You're going to John down the street who knows the exact issues that I have, and he's not looking at it with a partisan lens. Yeah, you know what? I, I, there's two sides of every stone, of course, right? And um, you know, it is it is uh, it is fairly good. Um, you know. But really, I mean, you know, if you say you have your parties, they, they have specific goals, they're, they're moving forward on those goals. Um, yeah, you know, and, and it's hard to tell none of it right now, because although, of course, all of us have goals, we're hanging on by a thread. Our, our infrastructure is dying around us. Um, you know, we, we, there's, there's not one part of our infrastructure that is, that is golden. Uh, there's hardly any solid ground for us to step on, to push up on and, and keep on moving. Um, so it's hard to tell whether those goals are going because we're always reacting to emergencies across the entire territory. Um, so it's, um, you know, I, I think in like, you know, maybe 20 years, we'll know if it's a really good system or not. Um, <laughs> it's one of those hard, hard uh, questions to answer because, um, you know, we're just, we, we have constantly been reacting to emergencies and it's really hard to judge how any, anyone's doing politically when, um, you know, you're just, you're just constantly moving that way. You, I'm, I'm already fascinated with this conversation. We're only 10 minutes into it already. 
And this this line of questioning that I'm going to about to go on was not prepared. It's not. It's just out of what uh, Mayor Bell has said. You are saying that your the people of your community, your territory, are struggling right now. That is shocking because we Canadians pride ourselves on being one of the most uh, financially soluble countries in the world. We have a vast wealth of uh, resources that we can help our fellow Canadians. But you're saying that's not happening up here. We're we're kind of being forgotten. Is that right? Yeah. Well, I'll I'll, I'll say it like this. Um, look, Inuit are the most hardy group in the world. Uh, living in the Arctic conditions. And thriving in the Arctic conditions is uh, for for millennia is uh, a task that is uh, you know no small feat. Um, it is a hard way of life up here, uh, but it's also an amazing life. So don't don't uh, you know? Of course, there's some disparaging things going on, but it's still also uh, such an amazing place. Um, you know, we um, we're we're probably about 20 years in infrastructure behind the NWT. The NWT is probably 10 to 20 years behind the rest of Canada um, in infrastructure. We, we have uh, 25 communities, 39,000 people in the biggest landmass in Canada with zero, zero connection to the rest of Canada. The only way into any of our communities by, is by air or by boat and eight to nine months of the year, boat is out of the picture. So you're only by air. Uh, of course, it's an extremely expensive way to uh, bring in goods, bring in passengers, you know, bring in uh, anything that you need to bring in. Um, and also, uh, you know, every every one of our communities is a standalone community. So every community has a power plant. Every community has uh, airport, a health center, uh, schools, um, you know, water infrastructure, sewage treatment plants, uh, and, and landfills. Um, of course, all of those things, if you look at any city in the world, all of those things are extremely expensive to operate. But not only are they extremely expensive to operate, you have to have staff that are able to function to work them. Now, uh, if you look at Canada as a whole right now, even the world really, um, you know, the human deficit that has come from this pandemic, um, and and I don't know if it's from, from the pandemic, but people just kind of were like, I'm retiring or whatever is happening. Um, but is, that is a real, real concern across all of Canada, and even more so here because you know we, most of our uh, workers um, are imports because we only have thirty nine thousand people. So well, how do you, uh, how do you huge, fix that? How do you get people to consider Iqaluit or even Nunavut to the territory to come in and set up shop in your community when, let's be honest, it, by the sounds of it, it's expensive to live there. Sure. Um, you know, in, in 1979, my parents moved uh, from New Brunswick to uh, Inuvik NWT uh, for a one-year contract. The one-year contract was three times the amount my dad would have made in any job in the southern Canada. You know, it was great, uh, you know, especially coming right out of university. He graduated university and, and, and went up there, um, you know, and, and ultimately I was born there and we stayed uh, all of our lives. Um, you know, my, my, my uh, parents are now retired and, and have both moved down south separately. Um, but at, at that time, it was three times the amount. You know, now, uh, you know, you could basically make the same amount down south, especially because of the shortages. Um, so a lot of people, uh, you know, in the con especially the construction fields, 
um, you know, and they have been saying, you know what, I haven't been home for 20 years in summertime, but I can make the same amount I'm making up there. Plus I'm at home. So I'm, why, you know, why would I come up? So, um, you know, unless you have like a, you know, you want to, you want to go on a, a real adventure, um, you know, and I, and I say this quite often, um, the city, Calibut, is an adventure. Um, we are not like any other city in the world. We have no street lights. We don't have any, you know, most of our streets are still unpaved. Whoa, 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 whoa. Um, I know, saw your tweet today as of recording yes. this at the planning committee tonight as of recording. You're looking at installing those street lights. Yeah, by 2030. And I was like, wow, this is getting futuristic. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> it's, um, listen, we drive our four wheelers and, and skidoos on our roads. Um, we are a real Arctic city. Um, you know, we're, we, we're a small village, listen. We're 8,000 people. Um, we're only uh, a city because we're the capital of our territory. Um, you know, but, but uh, you know, we have, we have all of those problems. We have a capital city problem. Um, you know, all of the functions from the government are here, you know, the jails, the, you know, uh, everything's here. So we have, we, we have a big issues, but, um, you know, small, small compared to any other real city, um, you know, in, the, in, in Southern Canada, but it's, uh, yeah, we're, you know, of course, am I excited about the lights? I don't, I actually don't know yet. Um, I'm like, I don't, I don't really know if I like that idea. Well, it's futuristic, like you're, <laughs> but who knows? <laughs> um, we, we could talk about this subject for a long time and I am cautious of time. So I want to make sure I get all my questions here. Um, I want to talk about your community over the last two years. You were elected in 2019 as mayor of the, the great city of Iqaluit. And literally a few months later, the global pandemic happened. So you are now navigating a unknown that you probably did not expect to have to navigate. Then in 2021, the city has a massive water crisis. You get hit while you're down in some sense because travel is not happening. People aren't coming to your community. How has the city of Akalawit survived the last few years? Yeah, you, you see me take a big breath there. Um, Did you sleep at all? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, this this was crazy. I like I knew my term was going to be crazy because I'm a polarizing individual. Um, you know, I, I say I say it the way it is or the way I think it is, uh, whether that be wrong or right is is up to the interpretation. But um, I am who I am, and and uh, you know that's one of the good things about me because I do sleep relatively good at nighttime um, because I know what I, I what I give back. I you know I work hard. Um, I put my hours in. And, um, you know, but, uh, but, <laughs> but always a but um, absolutely insanity. Uh, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't make any sense to any of us. Uh, we're just trying to do the best for our communities, you know, and we have anti-vaxxers just like everywhere else we're, we don't have, um, you know, the, the, the freedom convoy never made it here, of course, cause there's no roads. Um, uh, yeah, darn, I, I really missed out on that one. But, um, but no, you know, I mean, yeah. and then, and then of course we had this, uh, the, the craziest water crisis that you can imagine. There's literally oil in our water. You know, it doesn't make, it doesn't like, it doesn't make any sense. Um, did they ever find out you know, what and, happened and, there? 
I apologize to interrupt. It's just, yeah. I, I, it kind of happened. And then the news kind of stopped talking about it. And there was no like follow-up of what's going on. And since I have you here, is there a solution or yeah, was there? Right. Absolutely. An there was, there, yeah, no, there was, there was a, there was a tank that was buried, um, an oil tank, a diesel tank um, buried uh, in, I think, it, I think 1995, it could have been earlier, but I, I think that's, it was when it was built, buried and it, they, they, for whatever reason, uh, they cemented over the top of it. They put four or five feet of uh, land, land on it. Uh, and then put stairs over, and um, you know that that tank ultimately uh, failed. The the bottom of the tank got eaten through for I guess from years of you know neglect and and whatnot. And the 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 um, diesel was sitting in the uh, groundwater, moving up and down as the groundwater went up and 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 ate through our cement um, that was uh, in our water tank, and um, you know it was ultimately in that water tank. So um, you know the good thing about that whole the whole thing, I mean, there's not there's nothing good about that. Um, but the good thing about it is that no one was being poisoned. There was not one point outside of the tank, outside of the treatment center that that came back outside of Canadian uh, drinking standards, um, which is also a crazy story. The Canadian uh, limit for uh, oil in your water is 390 micrograms in your water. Uh, but But you can smell it at 50 micrograms. So like, I, I mean, it's, that, it's, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense to me either. And you're um, saying that the you know, Canadian government said that the drinking water was okay because it was under that 390 milligrams of oil in the water? Well, I don't know if that's okay, but it's safe. <laughs> it's, oh, it's not, it's, it's obviously not You are good. a politician, um, Mayor. <laughs> you know, I don't, I, I always say I'm not, but you know, I mean, this is the thing. I mean, you know, uh, I don't understand some of these things. You know, I'm just, I'm, you know, you asked me who I was. I, I'm, I am a kid from a small town uh, on, on a big stage right now, uh, and especially during this water crisis um, and this and this COVID things. Uh, these are these are things that I would never thought I would ever be doing. I, you know, I was on Al Jazeera TV. I was on BBC TV. I was on you know almost every Ottawa radio station. Uh, you know, in power and politics and all of these things, and um, you know, and for negative things. Um, you know, none of that was none of that was fun for me, and you know, and it, it probably raised my profile a bit, and um, maybe why you you know you followed me on Twitter, and, and here we are today. Um, I don't know, but um, you know, listen, I I wanted to make change for our city in in a positive way, and right away we're hit with negative after negative, and um, you know, it's it's it it has been really challenging. Um, we're still getting a lot of really good things done. Um, you know, we're, we're, the city is building housing for the first time in history. Um, you know, um, we're, we're, we've, we got $214 million from the federal government to fix our water supply issue that's been, uh, you know, uh, six years running. Um, you know, we're, we're, doing, we're doing huge things and um, we're collecting back taxes, uh, our, our old water. We're doing all of these things that we should be doing as a city um, to make sure that our city can function properly. Uh, as well as, you know, human things. Like, uh, for example, we're paying for funerals now. Uh, the city is paying for funerals because our, the large majority of our citizens can't afford it. Um, you know, and so there's that human touch as well. So, you know, there's a lot of things to be proud of and uh, there's, a, there's a great future ahead of us. Um, but yeah, of course it was, it, you know, the, the last couple of years has been trying on all of our citizens and um, no more than our, our workers uh, that, who also live here. Um, you know, it's been, it, it has been a, a real hard time.
And I, I, I like to transition away from the what's happened to what's going to happen because we always, I want to try to always put a positive spin on this, uh, on communities and you have one year left of your first term. I, we're not, I'm not going to ask you if you're going to seek re-election because it's a year out, but I'm going to ask you what's on the chopping block for you as mayor to get accomplished within the next year. If you walked away on October 23rd, 2023 and say, you know what? I'm done. I had a good first term. I'm good with everything I've accomplished. What would you want to get accomplished in the next year? You know, uh, Chris, I, I could walk away today and be proud of what we've done. Um, you know, I, I, there's, I mean, there's still so much work to be done in, in, in Nicaragua and in the territory. Um, but I think we're all in a better place right now. Um, you know, we, we, we forged relationships with the federal government and our Inuit organizations that had never existed before, uh, the territorial and federal government. Um, you know, like I said, we got the $214 million to fix our long-term water supply crisis. Um, you know, that, that stuff is well on its way. Uh, it's going to be about a four-year project. So that's, you know, the next, the next mayor will, will get that accolade and I'm, I'm more than happy to give it on. I just want to make sure that we, we have water for the long-term. Um, you know, we're, we're working on plans for, um, you know, 20 year plans for, to do our, our roads, uh, to fix our roads, to pave them, uh, upgrade them, uh, fix and pave. Uh, you know, we're, we're, these are things that uh, we're going through really, um, it, you know, if I could focus on one thing right now, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely housing. Um, you know, we've, we've got the money for the water fix. We're, we're, we're happy with that. Um, Nunavut as a whole is about 5,000 units short in housing um, for, for our 39,000 people. Uh, you know, we have people that are living you know, 17, 18 deep in a three bedroom house. And uh, we, we really need to push. There's also you know, people making $120,000, $130,000 a year sleeping on people's couches because there's just no housing available. Um, so I wanna make sure that we get, uh, we get housing under control and, and on a good track. I started a, a affordable um, a mayor's task force on affordable housing um, a year ago. We, we produce our plan. Very proud of that. Um, you know, we like I said, uh, we're building housing for the first time in the history of of, of the city, uh, and that's a five-way partnership with the government of Canada, the government of Nunavut, and two Inuit-owned um, corporations. Um, one a builder and one a, a technical uh, for us and the city. So it's the first time in history it's ever happened. Um, that was a huge step for us. Are you looking at single dwelling housings or are you looking at a swath, a swath of different types of housing, whether it be apartment buildings, whether it be uh, townhouses, what type of housing are you looking for? Or are you just happy that any housing is actually being built right now? Because at the end of the day, that's the first step. Yeah, uh, you know, I, this is a, this is a hard, hard question to answer too. Of course, we need everything on the housing continuum. We need we need uh, you know affordable low low income uh, market value uh, personal purchases. We need everything condos, uh, but we're just happy when something's built. Um, you know we're we're so, we're in such a um, you know deficit that it's a, it, you know it's an emergency. We need to get these things uh, built as fast as possible. Um, and you know and like I said, we're building eighteen uh, units um, right now. Uh, which isn't a lot, but we've also, uh, so it's um, $10.7 million. It's $600,000 each, um, which is you know still pretty high for a multiplex, uh, but we are in the Arctic and, and things do cost a lot. 
typically before COVID, the government of Nunavut was building at 750,000 per unit. And shortly after our announcement came out, they had uh, just canceled two different projects because um, they came back at uh, just over a million dollars per unit. Um, and they were like, well, how, how is the city doing 600,000 and we're getting quoted a million? And it was because we did a sole source contract with an Inuit development firm owned by Inuit for Inuit. Um, you know, the, the profits go back to Inuit. So that's why we, we did this sole source contract with them. Um, you know, and, the, and with the blessing of the Canadian government, um, CHMC, that gave us the funding um, through the Rapid Housing Initiative. And, um, you know, so we're, we're very proud of that. I mean, is, is that the answer to everything? No, I, I don't believe so either. Um, you know, you can't just always do a source source contract. But um, in this case, we, we saved, you know, $400,000 per unit uh, in today's market. And, you know, that's something we should be all very proud of. I don't know what's going on with my light here. Um, <laughs> Pause here for two seconds. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, difficulties with these, uh, you know, power restricting lights. Um, but no, you know, I mean, yeah, we're just right now. We, we any anything that we can do to move forward is is a is a good bonus for us. One of the big things that uh, Canadians are facing from coast to coast to coast right now is affordability, and inflation is being on the top of a lot of people's minds right now. Now, I, I will be the first to admit, I've tried to go to Nunavut a few hundred times, but the cost to get there is astronomical. And I was doing some research before I, we recorded this, and I was looking at the cost of groceries in your community. And while I complain all the time when I go to the grocery store, I, I realize now that I have no right to complain because the cost of groceries, the cost of living in your community is much higher and the affordability issue is much more prevalent in your community even before this, uh, the talks that the politicians are doing federally. How, how are the people of, uh, how, how are city council trying to address the affordability issue in your community because it must be a conversation that has to happen every time that the council meets, isn't it? Yeah, you know, it's, it, it's, we don't really, and I'll tell you the reason why. Um, the government of Nunavut is, is um, you know, historically responsible for almost everything that happens here in the territory. Um, they fund the 24 other communities, um, but they also are the biggest purchaser of airline tickets and cargo um, services. So they basically set the price um and we only have one airline um you know the, of course there's nutritious north I'm, I'm not sure if you heard that but it's a federal government um uh program that helps pay for cargo um on on uh healthy ish um products but it, yeah i mean that's why we have seven you know we're in the territory as a whole the territory is 70 percent food insecure and that's obviously number one reason um you know, if you look at the Baffin section, which is uh, where Calvert lies, um, we have uh, a shortage of, of um, local food. We have we, we don't have uh, very many caribou. There's a um, you know there's been a, a ban on a, a tag system for many years now. Um, you know there's there's a lot of issues going on um, that are making it so bad. Um, but of course, you know, it's, it's you know, um, a lot of a lot of our businesses, say, for example, the North Mart, which is our, our main uh, grocer, 
they're they're a fairly large grocer. They they have three hundred some stores across the Arctic and and some Caribbean nations. Um, so they, they they do they have the purchasing power. Just I mean not like Loblaws would, but probably not that much different. Um, but they have to house their workers. They have to feed their workers. Um, you know, there's there's uh, they fly them in and out. Uh, you know, especially their senior managers, uh, they would be flying them in and out uh, quite often because there's there's um, a lack of available bodies here. Um, so you know, they have you know, they, for example, here in Calvert, they have uh, you know 20 units that they house staff in. Um, you know, so of course your your costs are going to go up. Not only that, we're we're still powered by diesel uh, generators, uh, so our 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 power is fairly expensive. Um, and of course, you have all your fridges and and lights and whatnot in your store. It 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 costs a lot to do business here. Um, you know, of of course we we need to move on um, some sort of. Uh, renewable uh, energy, but at the same time, um, the government of Nunavut is responsible for that. Yeah. Um, you know, is there anything the know, city can do, though? Is there anything that the city can I mean, do or help out? Because we, we talk about prices of energy, prices of water, and that's a city issue. Water is a city issue. So you could lower prices that way to give them some relief. But is there anything that the city can do or has done to help potentially attract these businesses to their community, your community as well? Yeah. So, you know, I'll, say, I'll start with the water, right? Of course, our, our water bills are, are extremely high. Um, and one of the one of the reasons is is that uh, I don't know 20, 25 years ago the government of Nunavut started giving the city uh, 1.2 million dollars for water infrastructure every year, which isn't a lot of money, but you know 20 years ago it was pretty good. Um, and you know of course you you would build on that and at least give you some down payments and and whatnot to move and fix certain things. At the time, the council uh, decided to give that back as a subsidy. So they, they're giving everyone uh, 1.2 million dollars in total for the city government, uh, the city, uh, you know, commercial properties, uh, this this infrastructure money back as a subsidy. And in 2011 or 2010, um, you know, when when there started, everyone started realizing, oh, we're having this uh, impending water crisis coming, and asking the government of Nunavut for funding. The government of Nunavut said, well, what, what's been happening with this 1.2 million dollars we've been giving you for the last 10 years? And so I can imagine back, that didn't back. go for well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and um, it's terrible, right? I mean, everyone was so used to having really cheap water, and now it's really expensive with no service upgrade. And actually, the, the services got worse. Um, you know, we had that amazing, uh, uh, you know, the water emergency where we, we couldn't drink from our tap for almost two months. Um, you know, and you st we, we, we forgave those two months. Um, but it costs us about nine hundred thousand dollars a month to provide water to our citizens. Um, you know, uh, it's that's way too much. Uh, and you know, how do we how do we figure that out? I mean, we're going to make a big step here when we start when we start with that two hundred fourteen million dollars um, uh, influx from from the government of Canada because we're going to replace one third of our piping, which of course is old and has a lot of water main breaks. So uh, it will cost us less to produce water because we won't be losing so much. Um, you know, so it, we'll start doing certain things here that will that will help. But um, it, at the end of the day, it's still uh, how do you how do you recover that cost and provide a good service um, when everything is just so much more expensive? So, 
it has it been challenging to figure that out because I've talked to many municipal councillors and mayors like yourself across this great country for this segment of the series of episodes we're putting together for the show. And I've always asked them the question about doing what's right for the community against doing what is right for say John and Bob who live on street X who want their road paved because they believe that is their most pressing issue right now for a small town like yours who is seeing an infrastructure crisis. And I say crisis with all due respect because you are aging out of that infrastructure. Is it hard to balance the needs of the individual residents against the individual, the, the town or the city as a whole? Uh, absolutely. You know, I have this, I have a wonderful citizen um, that comes in probably uh, every month or so um, and sits down and have a coffee with me and, and you know, shares her concerns about m many things. Um, you know, she's been here 40 some years in, in, in the city or in the Arctic. And, um, you know, the other day she was here and she said, you know, that one of the main things that happening in the city right now is bike thefts and the city's really got to do something. And I was like, you know, God love you, but I, I don't care about bike thefts right now. Like, I mean, it's, it's not good. My kid's bike was stolen last week, but um, like we have, we, we, we have homeless people there, you know, our homeless shelter is, is turning away, you know, 60 people a week. Um, you know, we have a, a, a damp shelter that's turning away, you know, 12 people a night. We, you know, we have uh, power issues. We have uh, no, our water issues are, are, are staggering. Uh, we have no housing. Uh, all of these things we need to even just live, uh, uh, you know, a, um, a decent life um, are, are missing. Um, you know, and, and, and of course, do I care about the bikes being stolen? Of course I do. Um, but at the same time, I mean, we only have so many things we can do um, in, in a day. And right now we're just holding on for dear life, uh, trying to keep our head above water. Um, I shouldn't say water, maybe sewage. Um, we should, you know, try to keep our head above our sewage. Um, uh, while we fix the water and, and housing situations to, to be able to um, you know, have pride in the place that you live. Um, one of our, one of our, our, our I've seen as a, as a mayor, so I've been here my entire life. Um, we used to have a, a, a beautiful community, uh, like, you know, uh, cultural, um, musical, uh, you know, just everyday life was, you know, hey, how's it going on the street? Now um, it's completely different. We have so many transient people um, which, which is not bad. It's just we haven't been able to engage them because there's always so many problems. So we're trying to rebuild the community spirit so that the people that are transients, you know, hey, I love this place. I really like it. I want to live here like my parents did in 79. Um, and so many other people did over the years. And, um, you know, so, uh, so I, actually, I can't remember the last time that the city has done anything for Christmas. No, like no lights up, no, like we don't have trees here. So there's no big Christmas tree that gets put up or, or anything like that. But um, so we're, you know, we started last year, we're, we started, we started a, a Christmas festival. Uh, we were putting up Christmas lights this year. I mean, uh, we we're in the middle of a water crisis last year, kind of um, screwed up a lot of stuff, but um, you know, this year we'll, we, we'll be, uh, you know, uh, we'll be doing Christmas lights across the city. Um, you know, all just little things um that that have some some positive impact on people's lives 
jobs and hopefully that they you know start buying into the city and and wanting to be here uh, and not just be here for the money but be here for the community um and and enjoy their life uh, ultimately we want everyone to enjoy their life and you know and, and if you're coming here just for the money um if you're going anywhere just for the money if you're going to toronto just for the money you're going to hate toronto if you go, you know, it doesn't matter. You go to Mexico just for the money. You're going to hate Mexico. Uh, you need to, you need to buy into the culture. You need to uh, meet people and, and uh, you know, take part in the outdoors, especially here. This is an outdoor nation. Um, and once you do that, you, you really will fall in love with this place. Um, and, and once more people fall in love with this place, there'll be more care and, and it'll be easier to provide services uh, for everybody because you're not just trying to pick and choose for the right person or, or the person that is the loudest um you know uh, loudest person on the block through that I, I i and i just saw that we're at the 40 minute mark and i want to turn to the last segment and that's the wrap-up part of this uh, the show and th these are kind of fun questions we we talked about the nitty gritty stuff but i want to talk about the fun questions here and that is you're a bit a bit of you're a little bit more about your community but from your perspective and that the, the first question i have for you is what makes the city of Akalawit so unique in your opinion? Oh man, you know this place is uh, this place is amazing. Uh, you know, I can I can wake up. You can wake up at you know eight fifteen, have a shower, drop your kids off at daycare, and still make it to work by eight thirty. You know, the, like how how could you be mad at that? Um, you know, sometimes I I drive my skidoo to to work. Uh, and, you know, after our meetings, you know, might be a frustrating meeting. I jump on that skidoo and I'm on the land in, in 10 minutes, um, you know, with, and I can, you can skidoo pretty much anywhere you want because there's no trees. Um, so, you know, in the middle of winter, is, it's, it's just snow. So you can just go and go and go and have no real care. Uh, and you instantly just forget about all the, all the problems. Um, but also uh, the culture, um, the culture that's, that is here. Uh, that is celebrated here is amazing um you know the hunting spirit uh you know the the hardy spirit of, of, of Inuit that have lived here for millennia um are all things that you know you just have to admire and uh, you know i'm lucky to be a part of uh, I'm, i've you know i've been lucky to live here my entire life i i and again that's exactly why i'm trying to give back but you know ultimately i i, I hope the next mayor uh, whether i run or not uh is an inuit I, I, I honestly believe that. I, I believe that this capital city should have um, an Inuit mayor. Um, you know, there wasn't an Inuit mayor and I ran against them. Uh, that wasn't, that was for multiple reasons. Um, but, I, but I do hope that somebody uh, good will, will stand out and, uh, and you know, happily, uh, I can happily walk away uh, and just go back to my regular life and not have to worry about, um, you know, political, the political world anymore. I'm not, I don't want to be a politician. Uh, I just want, I just thought we could, we could be providing better services. Next question is this, and I, I, I saw a tweet recently from you, and this is where this question kind of spawned from. If I was a tourist coming to your community tomorrow, if I was planning a visit to the city of Iqaluit tomorrow in the territory of Nunavut, what, what are the main things I should be doing if I was there? Or what should a tourist do when they're in your community? Oh, I mean, I want to buy art. Um, you know, we have a we have a we have a large art. Um, you know, where they where the capital city, and of course, uh, a lot of artists live here. Um, so it's, it's it's a very artsy town. Um, 
you know, if you go to the, you go to a supper at one of our restaurants, and whether it's a fancy one or or a non-fancy one, uh, there's somebody usually walking by your table trying to sell you, um, you know, a carving or um, or beadwork or 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 drawings, uh, you know, uh, prints. So it's it's a pretty amazing place like that. Um, you gotta get on the land. Um, you know, the city is just you know it's just like any town, right? You know, we got roads and buildings, and and you know how interesting is that. Um, but you get on the land, you, you leave this, you leave the last road in the city and you're on the land in, in literally uh, two minutes. Um, and you know, the, the hills here, we're very mountainous, well, I guess hilly, not mountainous because, you know, we're nowhere near the mountains of, of Alberta, but, um, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's a rough terrain, uh, but it's really good for hiking, for skiing, um, you know, boating for the summertime. If you get on the boat, you can, you know, very easily see whales, um, seals, uh, sometimes polar bears. Um, so seeing wildlife is a, is a big thing. Um, uh, dog teaming. People should go dog teaming. Um, you know, if you're here during winter, you can do igloo building. Um, you know, uh, the northern lights. Uh, you know, who doesn't love the northern lights? Um, you know, a lot of places in Canada have the Northern Lights, but we have, um, you know, spectacular Northern Lights because we don't have that much light pollution. Um, so, you know, th those are the, some of the, the main big things that I think that uh, everyone would, you know, absolutely love if they, if they came. And what's your favorite part of the city? What's your favorite part of the city? Is it getting out on the land? Is it actually getting out and just relaxing on that snowmobile? Yeah. Or is there is there a little park or is there a little spot that you take your kids and just enjoy a little downtime in your community? Yeah, for sure. I, you know, I have a, I have a cabin um, not too far out of the city and, um, you know, I, we, we spend a lot of time there. Uh, but also, um, you know, a lot of friends have uh, cameras down the bay and, and you know, go boating and skidooing. But I, I'll tell you, my favorite part um, is the unforgiving nature uh, of the people that live here. Um, it doesn't, you know, you, you might think that you had the worst day or you did the, you, you made a bad decision or, um, you know, uh, for example, I don't know if you saw on the news, but I, I got into, I got, I got assaulted at the store and of course I fought back and that was some negative news. Um, but the mass majority of our citizens were like, yes, thank you for helping me out. You know, like they're so sick of people causing problems at the stores that they were happy that it happened. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, like, I did see that. I just didn't um, want to bring it up. I let my guests bring up their altercations. Yeah. No, you know what I mean? Was that a good experience? No, absolutely not. You know what I mean? It was scary. Um, you know, I had my three little boys and, and, and my girlfriend's little, little girl with her and um, with me and um, you know that wasn't fun um, you know but at the same time I mean you're not you know you can't just let someone attack you if, if someone attacks you you're, that's a good way of you know one getting getting knocked out or, or worse um, but anyways you know I mean this wasn't a good experience but at the same time um, you know most people I mean I got a, a letter from our elder society you know thanking me for standing up for people um, you know, you're sitting there like, this isn't, I don't understand it, but people, people here are really forgiving. Um, especially when, you know, you, you just, you acknowledge, Hey, this is the, this happened. Uh, it sucks, but here we, here we are. And, um, you know, people are, are great. So I, I, you know, I would just say our, you know, our community is, is my favorite part, of course. Uh, you know, we still need to build on that and try to draw in some of our, our transients, but, um, the people that are from here and that are here, um, are just the most amazing people on earth. And, um, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't give up my life uh, for anything.
Well, I appreciate your candor, your honesty over the last 50 minutes, uh, Mayor Bell. Um, I appreciate everything you've done and uh, uh, taking time out of your busy day to do this. So thank you so much. Yeah, of course. No, thank you so much, Chris. Uh, you know, I follow you on Twitter and, uh, you know, I was, uh, I was wondering if you were going to ask me because, you know, we interact every once in a while. So um, I'm, this is great. And thank you so much. I, I knew I had to keep you for 450th episode. So there we are. So with that, I want to thank everyone for tuning in for another great edition of the Cross Border Interviews Municipal Month Long Series. Uh, as I say during all my interviews at the end of them, put down social media for at least five minutes a day and go have a conversation with somebody It helps our society and helps our democracy and helps us be a better people at the end of the day. So with that, have yourself an excellent day. And remember, everyone, keep talking. Cross Border Interviews with Chris Brown was produced and edited by Miranda Brown Associates Incorporated. To learn more about us, visit crossborderinterviews.ca.